Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. We're going to go back to the book of 2 Corinthians this morning. And so do uh, turn in your Bible please to uh, chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And there is a greater context, but I am going to be focusing mostly on verses 1 through to 10. So we are having some feedback. Right, so let's let's read follow me as I read this passage. For writing it says, I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who for who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited three times i pleaded with the lord about this that it should leave me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ then I'm content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when I'm weak then I'm strong just so far the reading of God's word won't you bow with me as we just pray together lord we come this morning as those who need to be nurtured We need to be fed through and by your living word the Lord Jesus but through the written word. And so we pray that your spirit would be at work uh, among us uh, in us and Lord through me as I seek to uh, elaborate as I seek to preach and proclaim your word but Lord that you would open all of our hearts to receive and to believe to grow stronger in faith to Lord trust you more and more it in particularly the difficulties of life and so we pray for each other today lord you know us each one you know our circumstances our challenges please lord undertake we ask as we pray this in jesus name amen well i do want to introduce the passage today by uh, referring to a uh, perhaps i could call it an adventure a couple of months ago some men in the church went on a hunting trip to the bushveld i was invited and it was suggested that since we would be stalking animals in the bushveld which would be which we we could describe as a thorn infested felt 
it would be wise to wear shoes with strong soles. Well, I went ahead. I didn't have hiking boots. I wore my everyday shoes, the shoes I got on today, in fact. It was not long, and I stepped onto a horrible, long, white thorn. It went right through my rubber sole, and it went into my foot. Fortunately, I was able to extract the thorn, take it out of my shoe, remove it from my foot. It was sore, but soon the pain passed, being distracted by what we were doing on that particular morning. It would be very different, it would have been very different, if that thorn had gone into my foot and broken off and remained inside of the flesh. That thorn would not soon be forgotten. It would be right, I think, to say, to suggest to you this morning, it would be constantly hurting. It would be constantly distracting from anything else that one could try to do. It would be constantly annoying. It would be constantly all-consuming, affecting every single moment of consciousness. Now I'm trying to bring to you this morning the fact that a physical thorn in the flesh is painful. It's annoying. There are, however, other unwanted, and I want to call them this morning, painful, unwanted intrusions that come into our lives. We sometimes refer to them as a pain in the neck. I don't know if you've ever used that particular phrase, a pain in the neck. Uh, Or to use the metaphor from the passage, the Apostle Paul uses the phrase, a thorn in my flesh. This phrase, a thorn in the flesh, is used to describe anything that is a source of continual annoyance. It's annoying. It's debilitating. Any kind of trouble that, that, that constantly bothers you. It's synonymous with a phrase that uh, I found in the Old Testament, uh, a thorn in my side. We read of this describing a situation of an unwanted, painful intrusion amongst the people of God in Numbers chapter 33. This is what it says. If you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then those of them who you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes. Now imagine that. Imagine getting a a fishing hook in your eye. That's painful. That, That is really an unwanted intrusion. But then he goes on, and thorns in your sight. They shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. Now that said as an introduction, we turn back to this particular passage in 2 Corinthians and we see here in the broader context the Apostle Paul has been going through a difficult time. Not just in recent weeks or months but over an extended period of time he has written uh, one letter to address the Corinthian uh, issues. He's written a second letter that we don't have and then we have this letter that we call the second letter but it's the third letter and again there's, there's antagonism, there's some um, uh, 
some enemies. They call themselves super apostles that have crept into the church at Corinth. And so he's been going through a rough time. And so I think it would be accurate for us to say that we could describe his experience as being a thorn in his flesh. But I want to elaborate, and my first point this morning is I want to ask the question, what are these unwanted, painful intrusions? Well, in Paul's life, the specific context of chapter 12 he tells us that it is a thorn, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Many people have debated down through the centuries, down through the ages. Could this have been some kind of physical affliction that bothered the Apostle Paul? Some have even suggested perhaps he was uh, suffering with poor eyesight, that he could not see as he ought to see. <clears throat> Others have argued that the thorn was a reference to these enemies that he was facing and contending against in the church at Corinth. We don't know. <coughs> but, but as we look at the passage, look further in the passage in your Bible, and you'll see that these unwanted, painful intrusions are described, or Paul quotes uh, Jesus, verse 9. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then in and, and then he says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. And then again in verse 10, that for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses. In other words, there's a thorn in the flesh in the present, but in the broader context of the unfolding of his life and your life. There are multiple difficulties that occur that result in you feeling debilitated, you feeling weak. There are weaknesses. And then these unwanted, painful intrusions, he gives us a, a, a list. Things that lead to these weaknesses in our lives. And he, he gives them in verse 10. Insults. It's awful. When somebody directs harsh or unkind, malicious words towards you, they come like daggers into your soul. He speaks of hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And these four words summarize a whole bunch of episodes that can rob you and rob me of our strength that we need in daily life, in daily Godliness. In the previous chapter, 11, chapter 11, verse 23 down to 28, Paul specifies the list of unwanted, painful intrusions that he experienced in recent years as an apostle. And you could glance at some of them. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read the entire passage, but he speaks about five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, this one. In other words, he was beaten with a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods, got a bit more aggressive. Uh, once I was stoned, three times shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift on the sea, frequent journeys of danger from robbers, from
from my own people, danger from Gentile, danger from... Do you get the idea? You can read on in that passage. Here are a multiple uh, series of incidents in the life of the Apostle Paul that, that were challenges. That led to weaknesses. Led to him feeling that he was worn down, uh, unable to cope, unable to go forward. But we need to ask ourselves, what about us? What about you as you sit here this morning? We're coming towards the end of a year. Have there been those incidences of insults that have been maliciously and unkindly directed towards you? Where somebody has come speaking very cleverly in ways of attacking your faith or attacking your character or attacking your lifestyle, your parenting style, or your, your, the way you conduct yourself in your marriage, or just the way you speak, or the way that you look. How does that make you feel? Hardships? In our congregation, there are a number of people who we are aware of facing tremendous hardship. Life is difficult. Circumstances forced upon you. Something that is outside of your control. You've, you've come upon them. I've often used the phrase, a bend in the road or bends in the road. Suddenly appearing. Any situation where you feel helplessly stuck. Hardship. Being retrenched from work. Finding yourself, as it were, against a brick wall in a particular circumstance or situation. Something you didn't plan for. The next category of persecution, sometimes we think only of those people in China uh, or closed uh, countries to the gospel that suffer persecution. But it's true that among us here this morning, in your workplace, perhaps in your family, perhaps among, amongst your friendships, there are those who ridicule you for being a believer. Who, who caused, as it were, abuses or painful uh, uh, situations in your life because they don't like what you stand for. They don't like who you believe in. They don't believe that the gospel is relevant. And so they put you down or they, they, they marginalize you because of your faith and your Christian commitment. And then there are those calamities. Calamities occur, distresses, difficulties, troubles. Uh, pressure that weighs upon us, uh, the word conveys something over here of feeling crushed, absolutely uh, weighed under, uh, circumstances that tend to overcome us. Now, here's my point. In principle, the unwanted painful intrusions are circumstances that we face, situations, experiences, wounds that make us feel weak. They make us look weak. Do you ever find that? Do you ever feel that? You, you just can't face life anymore. And it, it's anything that you would get rid of if you had the human strength to do it, to get rid of it. If you were strong, you might return insult for insult. Isn't that true? If you were eloquent in word, you could do so. If you were strong enough, you might take charge of your own future, turn away from emerging hardships, change your circumstances. If you were strong, you would turn away from persecution quickly, decisively, that no one would mess with you in the future. 
If you were strong, you might use your resources to get out of a calamity. The truth being, you and I don't have that kind of strength. Don't have it. We are people. We are mortal. We are fragile. We are frail. We struggle. We're weak. We're emotionally often scarred. Also, we know that Jesus tells us not to return evil for evil. We know the Apostle Paul had written to these Corinthians. He said, we labor working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. In other words, we we turn the other cheek. We bless when we're persecuted. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We've become, and still, like the scum of the world, the refuge to all things. So in other words, these weaknesses, these intrusions that we cannot remove, either because they're outside of our control or simply because of Christian character, we would not do it. It dictates that we do not return evil for evil. My second question, who is responsible for these unwanted painful intrusions what is the source or who is the source if we look at the apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh as an example in verses 1 to 4 you have a look at your bible there Paul describes what amazing revelations he had been privileged to experience God's glory that he had been given he describes it as being caught up into paradise where he heard things that cannot be told. So here we have a context where the Apostle Paul was tempted, would have been tempted to think that he was already rising above the ordinary hardships and troubles of earthly life. Thinking himself to be privileged. Thinking himself to be better than the rest. But what happened? Verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited, proud, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now now look at that phrase. There's something there that doesn't make sense. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming proud. What's going on? Well, this thorn in the flesh, some physical problem, some relentless enemy, we don't know. One of these unwanted painful intrusions, where did it come from? Well, there's no doubt in this passage as we look at verse 7 that Paul calls it a messenger from Satan. So where does it come from? The devil. Satan. And, 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 and the purpose that Satan has is to harass him, to bother him, to trouble him, to be a pain in the neck, to be a thorn in his side. So we must conclude, as we think of our own lives, that some unwanted painful intrusions come from Satan. Satan afflicts the children of God. He tries to do that. How does he do that? himself sometimes he uses his messengers his demons I guess we could call them sometimes he uses others but his aim always 
is destruction. It's to destroy the faith of believers. Remember Jesus saying to the apostle Peter, Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. And so Satan seeks to destroy. But there's something else that we see in this passage. The fact is that God is at work. And that's why I said there's something wrong with that phrase. And, 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 and what, where do I see that God is at work? Well, there are two reasons. First, because Paul describes the purpose of the thorn as preventing pride. The devil does not want to prevent pride. Pride is the very thing he wants to build and to instill. And he wants you to grow in your ego. He wants you to have a fat head. That's the very nature of what Satan wants. But this thorn comes to prevent pride. To keep me from becoming conceited because of all that he had experienced in the greatness of the revelations a thorn was given me in the flesh. And even if you look at the previous chapter, which we don't have time to look at in detail, but but the previous chapter we see there Paul has the potential, the temptation to get sucked into having a fat head having uh, an abundance of, of pride in his life because he, he, he goes on and he mentions the whole things that he could boast about, but he calls himself a fool. And you'll find him saying so repeatedly in that passage. I'm speaking as a fool. He says in, in, in verse 21, verse 17, I think as well, he said there, I, I, I say not as the Lord, but as a fool. And so the temptation to foolishness, the temptation to pride is what what is a possibility and a temptation. And then, of course, these revelations from heaven. A thorn given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from conceited. So Satan's intention is to boost pride, not to prevent it. That's how he destroys our faith. Isn't it true? What is it that makes somebody steal? I deserve this. I'm going to take it from you. I'm important. What is it that makes somebody commit adultery? I deserve this. I've got feelings. My my desires need to be satisfied. So I'm going to betray my spouse and I'm going to have an affair. See? It's pride. It's pride that leads us into sin. It's pride that destroys our faith. And, and Satan wants, wants to produce pride. He wants to instill pride in what, what you've accomplished, what you've done, what you've achieved, what you've experienced. Paul's experience. Now here's the blessing. God uses the hostile intentions of Satan for Paul's holiness. Satan wanted to make Paul miserable. Puts a thorn in his side. He wants him to be uh, against God. He wants to turn him from faith. He wants to turn him from ministry and the gospel. He wants to turn him from the value of these visions. But God wanted to make Paul humble. Wanted to turn him away from self-exaltation. He wanted to turn him away from ego, from pride. And God therefore appointed a thorn for Satan for the work of salvation. Isn't this great? That, that God uses even that which, which the devil uses in his intention to hurt us. 
God uses for good. That's the first reason. The second reason. We know the thorn is God's work and not Satan's is that Paul prays that God would take the thorn away and then this is what the, what the Lord Jesus says. Verse 8. No, no, I'm not going to take it away because my power is made perfect in this weakness. I'm going to look at that a little bit more just now in my third point. But God has a particular purpose in what is happening to Paul. Just like with Job, God allowing certain things for Satan to destroy and to do, but there was the good purpose that God ultimately brings about. And so now to summarize this point. Who, who is responsible in, in your life, my life, for these unwanted, painful intrusions? Now the answer is, is this. Sometimes, not all the time, sometimes it will be Satan and his crew. But always our hardships are allowed, either allowed or designed by God for good. Now do you get that? Sometimes the devil, always God for good, for the believer. It's a wonderful truth about the sovereignty of God that even in the midst of hardship and calamity, Satan doing his best does not frustrate the good purposes of God. Which leads me to my third point and I want to answer the question, what is the purpose or purposes of such unwanted, painful intrusions? Is there... I often ask myself, I don't know if you do, why? Why this? Why why that difficulty? Why this calamity? Why this intrusion? Why this persecution? Why can't I find a job? Why am I trapped in this difficult situation? Why can't I have children? Why am I marginalized at work? You ask questions and I ask questions of of our difficulties. Why, Why did I lose my wife? Three answers given in this passage. Very helpful. Number one, unwanted painful intrusions should make you more dependent on God. Isn't that true? You see, Satan wants to torment Paul, wants to arrest you. But instead of running away from God, instead of turning his back on God, Paul prays. He says in this passage three times, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. I don't think it was just three times. I think he's making the point multiple times. And you know that and I know that. Sometimes it's day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. Lord, will you please, will you please answer this question? Will you, will you remove this, this difficulty from my life? Will you, will you heal my wife? Will, will you do day in and day out? But recognizing there's nothing I can do. I'm frail. I'm weak. This is outside of my hands. But you are God. 
And my dependence needs to be on God. And this passage is teaching us that in the midst of your difficulty, whatever that difficulty, it drives you to your knees. It ought to drive you to your knees. I'm totally dependent on God. James chapter 4 verse 7 gives us some wisdom. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Don't allow him to arrest you. He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I have learned more about God in the midst of the difficulties of my life that I don't want those difficulties. Unwanted, painful intrusions. But when I've gone through them and I look back, I see I've learned and experienced more about God than in times of comfort and ease. Number two. Unwanted, painful intrusions should be used to make you more holy. God's purpose... Over and above Satan's purpose, God's purpose is, in Paul's life, humility. Paul was in danger, I've already mentioned this, of pride and self-exaltation. And so God took steps to humble him. And so here's a lesson, here's a lesson that, that I reminded myself of this week. God sees... I've got to look at my notes. God sees humility as more important than comfort. Isn't that so? He removed Paul's comfort to create humility, to produce humility, to produce holiness. Humility is more important than freedom from pain. Because humility is at the, is at the core of our sin. That's not humility, pride is at the core of our sin. And he does this to save us, helping us to realize that we've not risen above the total need and reliance on grace. Number three, unwanted painful intrusions are an opportunity to show the power of God. God's purpose in our hardship and our weaknesses is to glorify the attributes of God, particularly the attribute of grace, the attribute of power. Jesus says in verse 9 and verse 10, my grace is sufficient for you. So there's, there's grace, the, the, that which God gives for my power, that's what God has, is made perfect in weakness. So some years ago, I had a, a, an aunt who had no children and uh, considered me and my siblings as her children. And my siblings, two of my siblings moved overseas, my brother moved to Cape Town, and so I was left to resolve my aunt's estate, pack her house up and get rid of the furniture and everything. She had one beautiful item of furniture called a showcase only the older folk here know what a showcase is. Because I offered the showcase to my children. And nobody wanted it. Oh, that's old fashioned. Who has a showcase these days? This showcase, eventually I managed to give to my sister-in-law. Uh, it was something that my aunt treasured in the course of her life. Because she traveled a lot. 
And she would bring back from her travel precious ornaments. And she'd place them in the showcase. And anything precious in her life that was small enough would be in the showcase. And uh, it's that showcase I want to think about as we consider this particular point. Because the very nature of what God is doing over here, His design is to make you an ornament in the showcase in heaven. That's, that's what He's doing. He, he, for all eternity, for all eternity, your presence as a believer, having come through your difficulties, having got through to the end of your life, God sustaining you, Him being the everlasting arms under you, Him giving you grace, Him enabling you in the power that He gives. She got there because of God's grace and God's power and now she's an ornament or He's an ornament pointing to the greatness and kindness and the love and the goodness and the compassion of God. That's what it's about. Evidence, your presence, even yet today, folk, if you're a believer and you're yet today and you're going through difficulty, you have been through difficulty, is the fact that God has sustained you. He's been gracious to you. He's, he's given you the power, the enabling grace to be here. I have to remind myself often, God is all wise. And when I don't get it, I tell myself, I tell myself regularly, it is God's will, it is God's will to show me, to teach me, to give me enabling grace to cope, power in weakness, to continue in faith when humanly speaking I want to run away, when you want to run away. God knows best, God is all wise, I need to trust Him. Now, this is not just my theory. I've learned this from the Bible. We, we have the example in the book of Hebrews. People of faith trusted God in their escape, their relief from unwanted painful intrusions. But there's another category and others who trusted God when there was no escape. No escape from these unwanted, painful intrusions. I'll read the passage to you, Hebrews 11. By faith, some escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, some were put to death by the sword. How did they do that? Enabling grace, the power of God. Trophies in the showcase. By faith, some stopped the mouths of lions. By faith, others were sawn in two. By, by faith, some were mighty in war. By faith, others suffered chains of imprisonment. And so, can you see the powerful working of God in the life of individual men and women and children who are believers? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now let me conclude. Sometimes God will remove the unwanted, painful intrusion. Sometimes He will keep you waiting. 
We prayed, here's a testimony. We prayed for four years for my son and daughter-in-law to fall pregnant. And I often thought to myself, why are you still praying? Four years and nothing. And then earlier this year, I get a phone call. God has answered our prayers. Sometimes you wait years. But sometimes he says no. Does not remove the unwanted, painful intrusion. And so, folk, the deepest need that you and I have in weakness and adversity as we face these unwanted, painful intrusions is not quick relief. This is what we need. We need confidence, we need faith that what is happening to us is in the purpose of God. Because remembering, remembering that He loves the world, that He sent Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I do want to focus on Jesus in these closing moments. Even though Jesus prayed in a situation that we would describe as an unwanted, painful intrusion, remove this cup from me, the imminent suffering on the cross, his humble disposition was to submit to the will of the Father. Not what I will, but what you will. And we know what Jesus experienced. Humiliation, rejection, ridicule, physical pain. We could put it into the categories of insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And he experienced what we, what we know to be the full wrath of God, forsakenness, and death. God forsaking God. But why did he do that? For grace to undeserving sinners. Grace. You see the display of grace, looking at Jesus, looking at the cross. And what else, did it, what else do we see? It, it, it led to the demonstration of God's power, raising Jesus from the dead, exalting him to the highest place, bringing spiritual life into men and women and children at Central this morning, but also from the ends of the earth. God needs to be at the center of our faith and life. Each trophy of grace, each believer in the showcase pointing to God, exalting God, each one present only because of His love and kindness and mercy. Ultimately, God does not share His glory with another. His glory forever in eternity. And it will be shown forever. His power made perfect in weakness. Will you respond to Him this morning? believing His Word, trusting Him, knowing Him to be merciful, full of grace and power. And Lord, I pray this morning for us. We are a people who are harassed in so many ways, troubled with so many difficulties. But thank You for Your sovereignty, for Your providence, for the way You orchestrate these things for good. Help us to submit to you, to trust you, to know that you're all wise. But Lord, even in the moment of pain, won't you by your spirit come alongside just individual people here this morning who may be aching in heart and soul and comfort them and strengthen them. Give them that 
unexpected experience of joy of knowing Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.